recording. Uh, what's really cool, um, you saw a picture of that bald-headed guy in the water. Uh, he's the only safe person in his village. And uh, when we found him, his foot was basically rotted. I mean, I don't know if he had some kind of infection going on. Uh, in that situation, you got to am amputate or he's just going to die. And he was, he's they a real, really poor family. I mean, really poor. And uh, we got there and we started visiting and praying for him. God healed the guy. And he ends up getting saved. His family gets saved. We started a church in his house. And he started inviting the neighbors. That's the way we plant churches is we get one family. And they'll start inviting their neighbors to come. And we'll do church in their house for a while. And he's already built a separate little building where we're doing services. So that baptism day was really cool. It's close to where we live. And he fought to be the first one. I mean, fought. We had to walk. And even though he's healed, he still has, you know, has to go slow with his foot. But uh, he gets down there, and I, and I still remember him pushing people out of the way to be the first one. <laughs> even though his emotions was telling him something different, because these are mountain people. They've never been underwater. So think about that for a minute. And think about the two poor guys trying to shove everybody under that, that wanted to do it but didn't want to do it. It was one of the funniest baptisms I've ever seen. I mean, he's just pushing and they just don't want to go, but they know they, they want to. And it was, it was an awesome day. We had about 10 baptized that day. The woman, curly hair, black and red jacket. We kind of, it was just a normal picture. It didn't stand out. It stands out to me because that woman um, had cirrhosis of the liver and was sent home to die. She had the, was it a catheter, the plastic bag thing. And... Uh, was going to die. She she showed up. The place where she's from, we started a church there four years ago. No other gospel. And she would disrupt services by coming in just completely drunk. And she would walk around touching people and just, you know, we wouldn't kick her out. We'd just kind of sit her down and, and, and let her listen. And she'd always want prayer. And you could see it in her eyes that she wanted to be free but just didn't know how. So that's the kind of people we want. And, and they can, you know, they disrupt, but that's why we're here. It's for her. So we uh, prayed for, prayed for. She got, she was sent home to die. I think it was 15 days, two, two weeks. They believed that she was going to start really going downhill, and then she would die at home. Her husband had abandoned her. He came up here, left her back with a bunch of kids. And uh, it was amazing. Um, she started getting better, and uh, now she's sober. So we were going and speaking to her, and she's a different lady, sober. She was listening, and, and God slowly healed her. She went back to the clinic, and he was like, we don't understand, but you're getting better. We're going to take this plastic bag off of you and, and see what happens. And she is today completely healed and saved. So the life transformation to me was way more impressive than the whole physical healing thing. Because this woman is not the same lady. She is complete. I mean, she is born again. She doesn't speak the same. She's just completely different. And the town hates her. They hate her. Because she's, in, the, in the eyes of the town, she is the lowest of the low. And why would God save her? Because that's just the way God is, right? And the most holy people in that particular town, we get really persecuted a lot by a certain church that I'm not going to mention. But... They, uh, they persecute us a lot in this town and they throw rocks at the little kids and if you're not with that particular church you just get 
threatened uh, pig guts thrown on our, our church. Well, their right hand, uh, the helper of the, the priest, the main person who organizes all the processions and idolatry and all that junk, uh, one, one of them falls dead in the street during an idolatrous worship thing. Just falls down in the street and bleeds out. Just like that. Sick, man. They were questioned with a much younger woman. Uh, three months later, she's in a, a dance in the community. Has a dance. It might have been a quinceanero or, or a wedding or what. I can't remember. Falls down dead. The two most holy women in the eyes of the town. Fall down dead. And I'm not going to go there on theology. I don't know. I don't understand. Not my department. I don't know. I do not know. And the most wicked of women was saved. And it just threw the town on its head. And people start Our church now in that town where we had one family. And now it's not uncommon for 30 or 40 people to come. And we rent a, a bar. It was a bar. And we rent. And now we have a church there. It's pretty cool. That woman is, to me... It's just the reason. If, if we had to pack it up and leave tomorrow, it was so worth it just to see that, y'all. I mean, just to, to see the, a transformed life and to realize that, that our God has the power to do that. That is why we do what we do. That is why you pray for the sick. That is, you know, people want to hear about the sick things, but the, the, the great healings. And, but God does all these miracles to open our eyes and to see that the same power that heals is the same spirit that saves, right? Yes, yes. It's the same. It, it all draws, it's supposed to all draw us to, to the one who saves. Because it don't matter if you're healed if you're going to hell. Salvation will always be number one. It is the main thing in, in our ministry. Um, those two things really stand out to me. And you'll see we, we work with a lot of young people and like I said, that is the transition that we're in right now where God's really showing us and moving us. We didn't see it coming five years ago. I'm slow. I'm sorry. I wish I could... Yeah, I would come in here and I could tell y'all what we do. And for 16 years, that's how long we've been there, the first uh, 13, 14 years, what we did was we ran a schedule that was given to me by a guy that, that, uh, that I was under, my section leader. And we would do 30, 40 services every month. And it was awesome. And, but what God was doing was laying a foundation, a network. And I still do the same thing, but on top of that now, He's really given us a desire to take these people in. Uh, it started out, I think last time I was here, I was telling you guys, we moved to a new town. Uh, we, we, it's, more sin, it's right in the center of everything. It's really close to those young guys that we're working with. We opened up a local church. Uh, you saw that, the, the stone facing. That is our church in our town, and we do services there every Sunday. We have a, it starts at 2 o'clock here in a few hours. i got two pastors that's going to take it, and they're going to do service. We're really, really starting to lean on these guys now, and they're taking turns, and, and, and the radio thing, that's another thing. I've got all kinds of stuff that's just kicked off this year. We do a radio program every Saturday. I'm really, uh, I do this a lot. I record every services we go to, I stick that recorder up there, and it's one, you know, a lady or a poor guy that would never have an opportunity to testify to anybody, I record them, we put them on the radio. That day we were doing live program, but usually I'll take all the recordings and, and, and put them in a format on my computer and then I'll send it to that radio station. And every Saturday these people who nobody knows, who look down upon, now have a voice. 
and they get to tell these awesome testimonies and what God's been doing in their life. So what we're doing is is basically people that would never have a platform or the resources to do this. We're trying to give them that because the the, the how does it say it in the Bible? The poor are the rich in faith. We're trying to get them where people can hear their stories and hear what they went through. And, and the response has been incredible. It's been really awesome uh, seeing this. And now we're in the transition of buying land or, or a process of trying to find a piece of land. We got a piece of land. We need you guys to be praying because buying land down there is an adventure. Let me just tell you. It is amazing. There's so much uh, decision-making and politics involved and... All kinds of crazy stuff, but uh, we want to get that land and build a permanent home, a secondary home for these guys because they're staying in my. A lot of them are staying in our house. We we rent a pretty large house, and the whole second story is just rooms. It's like a little mini hotel for these guys. And when they're running with us doing the schedule, they're staying there or they're using it. Like last night, they called me. They need to stay there after doing some services up top. So, lots going on, and. we want to say thank you first and foremost. You guys support us monthly. Um, it really does help. Your prayers, your support, all that. Thank you so much. This is what it's going to. What you just saw is just a little bitty bit of what we're doing every day. When people ask us, um, what is it you do? If you got to sum it up in one sentence, we take the gospel to people that don't have the gospel. Uh, I don't look down on anybody that does otherwise. For me, that's what I do. Uh, We just this year got into more of uh, giving Bibles away. We have a guy that's donated hundreds and hundreds of Bibles. And uh, we're making those available, uh, just giving out hundreds and giving them to pastors, and their pastors are giving them out. Uh, We give out this thing called dispenses, or just little bags of food. Um, we're finding uh, the really the poorest of the poor, and we're showing up and giving them uh, some food, and 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 one of, and that usually opens a door to being able to share the gospel. And, and right before we left, we had a situation with a, a lady. Um, one of our sisters had uh, given a uh, dispenser to this lady, and she wanted us to come back because it was such a show of love toward her. And I want to explain it. This impresses me. Hopefully y'all get... I'm not the greatest communicator in the world. Hope y'all, hopefully you get what I'm feeling here. But this day, we had two services, and they wanted to go by and see the same lady that we'd given to dispense. It was on the way out. Parked the truck. We walk up. Me, my wife, two brothers from a different area. And we find this woman. This blind lady had a tumor that they'd taken out, and she'd lost her vision. She can't I, I can't... I don't know if she could walk or not. I don't remember. I think she could walk. But she was an older lady, could not see, in the eyes of the community, completely worthless, could not do anything. She was put in this house, and there she was forgotten. And I sit down, and, I, and, and you can call it God talking to you or God impressing on your heart or whatever, but it just hit me how many pieces God had moved around. God had moved heaven and earth for us to get with her. And I'm thinking, man, nobody knows her. You know, the God of the universe, the God who made everything that we see, moved heaven and earth because He loved her. That impresses me, y'all. I mean, forget the president. This woman got way more authority. 
God moved heaven and earth to get me in front of her because she did not know the gospel. And I got to tell her. And man, I started shaking. I was, I was scared because I knew who sent me. And I knew He was listening. And what I say to her is important. I can't bring her religion. I ain't bringing her America. I'm bringing her the gospel. And it better be right. Not my denomination. Not my church. We rarely mention our church name. Unless they ask. We're trying to remove every obstacle there is. We're not charging you money. We're not, there's no obligation. Here is the truth. And that's what we did. And she prayed to get saved. And we got a foothold there in that town where there, there is no gospel. And it's just amazing to get to be able to do that. Guys, I cannot explain to you the honor it is. For, that is my pinnacle. Right there. And I'm not just saying that. That, that it, to me, is more awesome than, than speaking to thousands. And, and if that's as good as it gets for me, that is good enough. I'm telling you. It is, it's, to me, uh, it's so important to be able to get to these people and give them a chance. If you would please go with me. I want to preach a little bit. This time around, coming out, feels so different. Um, I use the example of the frog that's in the water. How do you kill a bull of frog? You know, if you just throw them in boiling water, it's just going to jump out. But if you put him in cold water and you steadily turn up the heat, he doesn't realize it until it's too late and he dies. And that's what's happening up here. Um, I get to jump, you know, sometimes a year, year and a half goes by before I come back and you just really notice things. Even I think I was here last year. I can't remember the exact month, but it hadn't even been a year yet, I don't think. But there is such a difference spiritually. Whatever used to be there that was kind of holding back things is not there no more. And this country is being flooded with evil. And mo- a lot of the church is going to get swept away because a lot of the church ain't saved. And I say that with love and care because it's not a game. Um, you got boycotts, people post stuff on Facebook, but there's no really no real decisions that cost anything. Just superficial stuff. But what's happening is there is an onslaught against... Do you realize this is not a political thing that's going on? All that's just... It's little... The main thing is there's a war between the devil and Jesus. And everything else, it's just fruit of that. That, that it is a war going on. And, you know, just I heard the other day somebody say that the whole world knows that we're at war with terror except for the United States. We'll not admit it. And it's the same thing spiritually. We will not admit that we're at war. And we want to live until one of our conveniences is taken away and we're ready to kill everybody. If we're not careful, it's already happening. I see it now. I feel more comfortable in Mexico than I do up here. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. And it's just, it is a spiritual war. And guys, I'm telling you, if you do not make a firm stand, if you do not make a decision, to let go of the world and go with God, you're going to be swept away.
He's going to put you in a position or situation to where it's just going to be too easy to go with the world. And if you're not firmly planted in Jesus, you're going to go with them. The days of trying to be as much like the world as you can, <laughs> but still love Jesus, it was, it's, it's over. The next five years, I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's just going now. Whoever gets president, it don't matter. I mean, I guess it does to some of y'all. God's going to put who He's going to put in there, but it, it, don't, it, it's, it's, it is bad and it's going to get worse. We've got to make a decision. We've got to be intentional. And that just means decide. Do you all know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sorry I'm not the greatest communicator. i got Spanish words bouncing around in my brain. Um, I, I, I preach way more in Spanish than I do in English. And uh, I want you to feel the, the, the sincerity in this and the urgency, but it's happening. You're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of it. It's going to get your kids in the school. Already getting your kids in the schools. Your kids are so prepared for the world. Thousands of hours on TV. Thousands of hours of secular training in the schools. And you wonder why they act like they do when they get 15 and 16. When they just get this once a week. And there's no teaching in the homes. We're not raising up our kids. Uh, the families, that, that, was, that onslaught began years ago. But now it's so blatant. And Christians are going with it. Well, they're not. To me, they can't be Christians. There's no evidence of the Holy Spirit if you go with the world. God has created us to do the impossible. Just like I was telling those kids, and that's what I want to talk about today. We're not created to sit back and watch. What is your purpose in the kingdom of God? Y'all go, I'm going to read a few verses. I'm gonna, I'm, these first couple, you don't have to go there. You can just take notes. Um, Matthew 17, 20 says, He said to them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Uh, Matthew 19:26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Mark 9.22 And it has often cast him into the fire, into water, to destroy him. It's talking about a demon. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Mark 10.27, Jesus looked to him and said, With man it is impossible, but with God for all things are possible with God. Luke 1, 36 and 37. Behold, your relative Elizabeth is at her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 18, 26, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? In verse 27, it says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. There's a, there's a theme. And, and what I was telling the kids, I'm going to just tell you guys too. God wants us to do the impossible. Amen. So in the middle of, of all that I'm saying and what's going on, and it's true, you, you feel a sense of just giving up. Well, I'm going to look forward to eternity and I, I kind of have gone that way and it may not be right but it's like 
the church is so irrelevant because they're trying to be relevant. Amen. And they're trying to be like the world and they've kind of left the gospel behind. You're, you're crazy. All you're doing is raising up a bunch of false converts. And at the first sign of any persecution or any inconvenience, they're just going to go back to the world. What saves is the gospel. What saves is the message of the gospel. That has to be the centerpiece of every ministry that we do. Look in somebody in the face and say, Hey, the Bible, and I'm going to go through it because I just love preaching this. You're a sinner. You're not just a sinner, you were born in sin. You have a bad nature, a bad record before God, and that is a serious thing. We're separated from God. We're separated from the Creator. That is a very serious thing. And you cannot get back with works. There's no way. You can't do enough. You can't be good enough. That's a major problem. I think it's in Ephesians 2. It says we're enemies of God. And with the same God that's going to judge, He extends a hand of mercy. This is awesome. By sending His Son. In that state, we're, we're, we're without hope. But He sends His Son to do something that we can't do. He lives the perfect life. You see, He's not impressed with our righteousness. He just ain't. He's been looking at the perfect righteousness of Christ for 2,000 years. But I go to church. I give some of my money. He's just not impressed. Y'all get it? Now, it's not a bad thing we do this, but I've come to the conclusion, and I've run this road out for years, and I've, I've got works, and I just realize they're just, it's just not enough, y'all. I still fight with that mentality. It is in Jesus. But you look at somebody and you say, there's hope, even though you've done this, even though you've done that, you're lost, but God sent His only begotten Son. 33 years, he lived a life, the only human being to ever live, worthy of heaven. Because most of us, whether we care to admit it or not, we believe in the great uh, scale religion where if you got more good than bad, then you get in, and that's not biblical at all. Jesus lived perfect. He, he, he did the law, he completed the law, and then he went to the cross and he paid the fine that we have, took on our sin. The wrath of God was poured out on Him because it had to be. He had to pay the price to open a door that we can go through now, but only through Him. Only through Him. Sure, there's other religions, but there's only one way to heaven. This has to do with the glory of God. He wants and deserves the glory. That's why I can't take another way. It's about truth. And in this day and age, that is a... Man, we, are, we have so blurred the message because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. And then you go back to what Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. i come to bring a sword. I've come to draw a line because it's about the glory of God. He deserves... The credit. He deserves the glory. He made the world. He has provided a way of salvation. Who am I to say it's not Him? Who am I to blur and change the message, take away, add to? If it has to do with Him, 
I can't do it. You know, you remember the story in the Old Testament, the guy they were carrying the, the ark and, and, and it fell and that guy put his hand on it and just dropped dead right there because he assumed he was better than the dirt. Who are we to touch the ark? We've got to leave it alone. Preach the truth. It works, I'm telling you. Now, I'm not saying... Sure, there's, other, there's ministries, there's different things we got, different callings, and all, but make the gospel the centerpiece, the main thing. It has to be. Because I, I, I was listening to a guy the other day talking about... He, he, what, how did he say it? Yeah, you know, I used to just go in and preach the gospel, but now God wants me to get a relationship with God, and I'm, and I'm quick to think, yeah, that's true. You need a relationship with that guy, but not at the expense of not telling him the gospel. Not at the expense of not telling him the truth. There is a heaven. There is a hell. But Jesus has died and, and risen again to give us a way to escape what's coming. So don't lose sight of that. These verses, you personally have a purpose in the kingdom of God. You personally are created, designed, engineered to do the impossible in this world. Y'all go with me really quick. Matthew 14. I was telling the kids, God loves to show out through you. And that's, that, you don't realize how true that is. But so many of us don't even give Him the opportunity because we don't put ourselves in any place for Him to do that. We live reserved. We don't like to take chances. or We don't like to be embarrassed. If you're not living in a way that gives God the opportunity to touch others and glorify Himself through you, you are absolutely selling yourself short. You're not living. Those who find their lives lose it. Remember that verse? And those who lose their lives find it. We've got people that... That's their business is to protect their life, their rights. That is in direct conflict with the Spirit of God. God wants to use you. He wants to put you in spots to where you can do the impossible. He wants to work through you. Every one of you have a purpose in the kingdom of God. Have you even asked what it is? I mean, all we got to do is sit around and meditate on this for a minute. Why am I here? The old question, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Is it just to sleep and eat and work? Which we got to do those things, but why really? What is my purpose? What am I here for? What is my purpose in the kingdom of God? And I might not be necessarily talking about a calling or a ministry, but what is your purpose? You have a specific purpose only you can do, only you can fulfill. To do the impossible, y'all, I got down five things because everybody likes a list. Number one, you got to be saved. None of this counts if you're not saved. And I'm not talking about Lord, Lord, you know how the Bible says not. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, I have come to the conclusion in my own life, and and I'm not talking about this specific place, but just in a lot of places, there's no way that person can be saved if they're living this way. It's not the same Spirit of God. I've seen it too much, y'all. You know, we need to examine ourselves. 
And it's not to, to, to scare anybody, but man, there's so many people that say they're saved, but they were just raised a certain way, and they got this behavior modification thing going on, but they're not born again because there's not interest in the Word of God. There's no interest in soul winning. There's no interest in, in, in studying the Word of God. There, there's no, there's no uh, uh, urgency. There's no nothing. It's a lifestyle. And I'm thinking, how can that... How? If you have the Spirit of God, if you're born again, the Bible says you're going to live a certain way. And it's so easy to hide in that, hide in religion, and become, you know, we're good people, and I'm not saying everybody that does it are just demonic, I'm just saying there's a difference between being religious and saved. We've dumbed down the saved thing to something easy that we can get by just saying a few words. We've taken the supernatural out and replaced it with ritual and, and little steps that we complete, and there's no supernatural transformation of life. If you don't have that, you're not forgiven. The minute you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and I tell the brothers this all the time, how, how do I follow somebody I can't see? Because you, we have all these sayings, and they sound so cool, but we never explain what they mean. Follow Jesus. How? I don't see Him. You do His Word. That's how you follow Jesus. You do His Word. When you get to the point in your life that you see you can't do it, that you can't change, and you get to that point, and I believe that even that is driven by the Holy Spirit, and you make that deep decision that only God can see. To stop with the world, to stop with religion, to stop your own strength and put and put all your trust, your faith by doing. Because faith, y'all, faith comes when you read the word. That's your first step. The second step is, well, I agree with it, sounds good, but it's that third step where a lot of people take off. I've made a decision in my heart to do it. Now, that's where, that's where the salvation comes. When you've decided to do it. That's when God sees and God responds with the Holy Spirit and He comes and you're born again. You don't do the same things that you used to do. I ain't saying you don't fail. I'm talking about a lifestyle change here. But now, I cannot be satisfied with the things I was doing before. I sought things that gave me peace and pleasure and for me it was a lot of drinking and, and stuff like that and that's where I went because it, it made me happy. I can't do that no more. Why? It just doesn't give me peace and happiness no more. Because I've been born again. Now I go and I'm doing this. Because there's been a, a nature change. You understand what I'm saying? A transformation that is from above that no man, no woman, no religion can give me. Alright, I keep going back to that. Number one, be saved. Number two, to do the impossible, you have to have a weakness. I am, and I publicly admit this to my family, the most selfish person that I know. That was my thing when I was lost. And to this day, I'll show it every now and then, I am selfish. It's about me. But that's the very thing God works through. And to people like you, y'all think I'm the most unselfish person. Well, that's what God does. He works through your weakness. 
And that is mine. And I publicly admit it to good Lord, keep me humble because I'm not a very humble person. I want to be. But God works through your weakness. So to, to do the impossible, you've got to have a weakness because most likely that's where God's going to work through you to get to other people. Three, to do the impossible, you've got to trust and have a dependence on God. We're all about independence. But if you're a Christian, you've got to have a dependence. We're dependent on food. We're dependent on water. We're dependent on lots of things to live. But spiritually, we don't live that way. When's the last time you, that, that, that thought has hit you before you go out the door in the morning? I've got to pray. I can't face this day. I can't face everything that's coming at me unless I have, I have prayed and created some kind of a dependence through the Word of God and prayer. Quickly, I'm going. Number four, do you value or have a kingdom purpose or process? That's kind of what I was saying. Have you even thought about it? What is your purpose? What, is, what are you supposed to do for the kingdom of God? Not for Republicans, not for Democrats, not for your church, but for the kingdom of God. Have you even thought about it? Is there a value there? Is there a sense of urgency? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do for the kingdom of God? And number five, don't be afraid to fall. That's where that picture comes in. And that's what I love that picture because we're trying some new things down there and you're afraid you're going to fall. But as long as I got Jesus looking at me like He was looking down at Peter right there, like, come on, man, let's do it again. The story, you guys know it. I'm going to skip through it really fast. Where Jesus fed 5,000 people, put the disciples in the boat, and they took off. Jesus went up to pray probably for them because it was time for them to grow. Because lots of times we don't grow unless we're in the middle of a trial or tribulation. That's just the way it is. And these guys were out there getting slammed around in the boat. It was a teaching moment. And uh, Jesus was praying for them. And then we see in verse 24... But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he come to them walking on the sea. And I got to note, when all hope and self was stripped, that's when Jesus got there. When all hope was stripped, that's when Jesus arrived. Not swimming, but walking, showing His disciples that He had complete control over their problem. In short, Jesus lives in the supernatural and the impossible. And we all know the story. You know, they responded in fear. They were just with the guy when they fed 5,000. Now in the middle of the trial, they can't even recognize Him. Think about that for a second. And Peter, and this is, where I, this is what I want you all to see, and we're about to close. Of all people, Peter, probably the one that made most mistakes. <laughs> if it's you, this is verse 28 we're in. Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out, come to you on the water. Now, now if we're not careful here, we kind of skip over it. But what Peter was doing here, he couldn't tell for some reason, maybe he couldn't see 
but he was throwing out a fleece because he's about to risk his life. What he's about, to, he wants to be sure it's Jesus. Jesus, if it's you, what is my birthday? Jesus, if it is you, what did we eat last week on this day? He didn't say any of that. He's trying to identify for certain that it's Jesus. What did he say? If it's you, tell me to come out there with you. Because he knew that's the way Jesus is. He not only went around healing and preaching, but he was teaching the people behind him to do the same thing. That's why I say it is the will of God for you to do the impossible. He wants you to do it. He desires to do it. When Peter started walking, we see it. Jesus didn't even hesitate. He said, come, let's go, bring it on. So Peter got out of the boat. Yep, it's him. And he knew if it was him, he was going to have the power to do it. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Again, we see trust because of the past relationship and the dependency at it. All power and ability comes from Jesus, y'all. There's nothing we cannot do when we we got our eyes fixed on Him and we're doing it for Him. Now, at this point, Peter is walking on the water. God is absolutely showing out through this man. And God likes it. That's what we got to understand. He wants to do the impossible through you because He just simply likes to do it. He loves it. He gets excited about it. But it, Peter, there was a trust that had to occur there, y'all. And we all know what happened so, like so many times. It said when he saw the wind in verse 30, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out His hand and took hold of Him, saying to Him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And that's why I was referring to that picture, because if we're careful, we, we, we see just an angry Jesus. But what if it was just like one of our kids that are learning to walk when they fall, and we go, man, you almost made it. What if it was one of those things? What, why did you doubt, Peter? You had it, man. You were in the middle. You were doing a miracle. You were doing the supernatural. So what if it's wind and waves? You're already walking in the supernatural. Teaching His disciples. Teaching us. That's what He wants us to do. So this morning, I want you guys to be encouraged in the Word of God. I don't know where He's got you or what He wants you to do. Only you're going to know that. You need to get with God and find out. There might be a, a, a few of you guys that are right on the edge, like Peter, about to get on the boat. Lord, if it's you, you can't steer a parked car. <laughs> I heard that from a preacher. Most of us are not special enough to get an angelic visitation in three prophecies. Just do something. Do something for the kingdom of God. Find some poor people. Find some lost people. Do something. Get outside of these walls and do something in your work, in your family. Tell them something. If they get offended, so what? Just tell them. There is a heaven. There is a hell. You ain't got to be fire and brimstone, but you can educate people with the gospel. Tell them what the gospel It's not church. Church is something we get to participate in that we're a part of. But the the salvation part is is totally different. It is a supernatural, creative miracle. 
what Jesus wants to do, Lord. That's why we do what we do. Because I've seen it too many times when you get to go in these situations and they're going to die. They have no life. There's no hope. The world has forgotten about them. And you just simply tell them. It's not your words. It's, it's truth. It's supernatural truth. And it just blows them away and changes their lives. And, and then their family gets it. Oh, goodness. Marshall's going to kill me. And the whole village changes. One, one message. Man, it's real, y'all. I'm telling you up here. Gosh. Come on, we got it. Y'all know this. I know Marshall and I know he, he teaches it. But until we start taking that message and giving it to the people, yes, you love on them. But for the purpose of telling them about that, because there ain't no other, there is no greater form of love than telling somebody about the gospel. No other. If you really care about them, there is no other greater form. I think it was Penn Gillette that said, he's an atheist. There is that. What kind of hatred is it that you wouldn't tell somebody that there's a hell? There's no greater hatred that you could have for another person to not tell them that there is a judgment coming. Y'all stand up, please. I'm sorry I went long. But I mean, it's, it is... For me personally, and I, I think it's that, it's that way with everybody. Man, we're so excited about what God's doing in Mexico. But it, it doesn't matter where. Jude. Geography is irrelevant in this. Y'all need it up here. And the church is sitting back and we're not doing nothing. Yes, pray. But we got to get involved. Can I have some music people, please? We're going to do a response. Um, I like doing it in, in, in Mexico. I just asked the pastor who's in sin. And he tells me. That one, that one, that one's drinking. He's here, but he drinks. That one's sleeping with somebody else's wife, and, that, and I'll just be like, get up here. <laughs> here you get sued. God. Anyway. Maybe I hit it again. Okay.